the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. Welcome to the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back, everybody. Oh, where do I start? <laughs> Actually, let's, let's start with the good news. And the good news is Intel selected Ohio to build a massive fabrication, uh, semiconductor fabrication plant. And that is awesome. I mean, talk about a a major win. So, and I know the uh, state government, uh, Mike DeWine, cut him some big slack. Good. (laughs) The, uh, they need to do that. It's, it's, Hard to imagine what kind of impact that's going to have. I mean, you know, it's it's gigantic. This is a just multi multi billion dollar facility, and it's not just the people that work at Intel. And this is one of the things I think a lot of people who don't think a lot about this kind of stuff. Uh, Why? Well, and I know it's one of the things that people who don't think a lot about this kind of stuff ask or or aren't thinking about because they're always you know asking questions. Is uh, yeah, that's that's great for we just gave them two billion dollars, you know, in deals to get them to come here. How are we going to be ahead on that? Well, I'll tell you because the people that work at the those factories, they eat food, they drive cars, and they wear clothing, at least most of them. And when you do that inside the state, all those people are paying taxes. They're paying taxes. So we're going to get that money back, lickety split. But uh, yeah, it's just really good news. And so my hat's off to the Ohio government for luring Intel here, making uh, good enough deals. The area that where it's going in, it's kind of farmland right now, which is nice, but it's not too far away from um, major highways. And it's just a, it's really a blessing to this whole state. And I'm, I'm uh, very excited about that. And it's not just Ohio, by the way. You know, we've been talking about 
semiconductors for an incredibly long time on my program uh, and how to invest in that. And if you'd like to see that particular model, the semiconductor model, it's one of the models that I use uh, in addition to the other models that are more diversified. But you can always go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com, and request that. Say, I'd like to see the semiconductor model. Here's the model I really like the best. You take the healthcare. There are three funds I have identified that I, I think do a really good job of covering all the various uh, elements of healthcare. And between that and the semiconductor industries, I think those are two of the fastest growing industries on the planet. And when your sales are growing, as long as you're maintaining your profit margin, your profit margins go up. Now, oftentimes, profits will go up faster than your sales growth because your fixed costs don't increase when you increase the volume. Now, if you're selling a million parts a day with the, the equipment, but you have the capacity to do 10 million a day, and then all of a sudden, uh, one day you are doing 10 million parts a day, you're using the same equipment. Your cost is the same, but your profit margin, because you're doing so much more business, is actually going up because those fixed costs stay fixed. And that's a big, that's a big deal. I mean, that's a really big deal. I'm looking, I'm, <laughs> as if you can't tell, I'm extremely excited about the, the possibilities. Uh, I'm so glad they're building a major fabrication plant back to the United States. I always thought that was a bad idea. Why would you go outside the United States to produce this stuff? See, because on a semiconductor chip, you can put, uh, you can put software, you can, build into them. They call them back doors. And by the way, I am not an IT professional and it has been a long time since I've written any code. And this was, I'm talking decades, but I understood the basic concepts. And when you're not manufacturing your own parts, you're at risk. I'll just end it right there. You're at risk in now that we're going to be manufacturing more. I hope everybody starts doing this. I hope the other companies, the foreign companies, that manufacture uh, semiconductors start to come to the United States because we've got a great workforce. We have a great highway system. Uh, I think I, I'm going to have to check exactly, but I'm pretty sure that we're only about 5% of the world's population, but I think we consume about 20% of the output. I'm pretty sure it used to be five and 25. We used to have 5% and we consumed about 25%. So, you know, that's one of the reasons everybody wants to come to America is people here have more money than a lot of other countries. And most people use that money to, to buy food, you know, eat, eat, the, or eat the food, wear clothing, you know, they have to pay for housing. Most people in America have to have a car. You know, a lot of countries are not like that. You go to a lot of the foreign, uh, like the European countries, first of all, they're small and people live much closer together there. So, and they work very much closer to where they live. And in fact, the population of the greater Europe area, uh, European area, is like five to one versus the United States. The number of people per square miles is like five times greater. And so they, they're not, uh, it's a little bit easier for them. You know, in, in America, you almost have to have a car, especially if you're going to be uh, living in Medina and driving down uh, just north of Columbus to work at Intel one day. 
you'll be driving a lot. You'll probably be moving down in that area, by the way. So anyway, that is a, uh, it's just such a nice thing to have happen to this state. And it's really going to pick up not just the state, you know, it's the country. This is a countrywide thing. The, uh, I'm just amazed at the growth in GDP, despite the fact that, you know, we're in a pandemic, despite the fact that the supply chains are still blocked like crazy. The, uh, and the volume on a lot of, for a lot of industries is, is really hurting them. The, the ability to get, I shouldn't say, the ability to get supplies. So the volume of supplies has dropped fairly significantly. And a lot of that, incidentally, all this inflation that they're talking about, when the supply chain begins to lighten up, that inflation is going to go back down. Some There are going to be an awful lot of prices that drop. Why is that significant? Well, because we're all consumers. That means if your prices are dropping, and I don't think it's going to be soon, and I don't think it's going to be uh, as much as they've gone up by, but wages have gone up. I don't you drive around anywhere in Ohio anyway, and uh, actually I travel you know, I typically stay on the uh, eastern side of the the country. Occasionally, I'll go out west, um, but just drive around. Look at the news newspapers. Everybody's trying to hire, and the nobody's paying attention to minimum wage. They're paying decent wages, so it it's kind of a big deal. When they say it's different this time, they have no idea what they're talking about. I mean, just how different? I go back and look. We've never, <laughs> this is uncharted territory. And then now you've got these guys successfully, people in the, in the private sector launching their own rocket ships. I mean, think about, do you know why NASA was in charge of that? Because they were the only ones that could afford it. <laughs> there was no, there was no public market for rocket ships. Yeah. Now you've got a public market for rocket ships. That that is that is blowing my mind. I I really didn't think I would live long enough to see a lot of that, you know. So I'm very thankful for that. And th- those are drivers. Um, one of the biggest drivers right here in the United States is the lack of infrastructure or the age of the current infrastructure. A lot of this stuff needs to be replaced. They talk about. The bridges all the time because that's something that people can see and relate to. But I'm telling you, it goes down into the telephone wires. Those need to be updated. Actually, they shouldn't have been above ground this long. We should have already had them underground because it's a lot more expensive to maintain a bunch of poles that get knocked down every time a bad storm comes through. You know, that's just... (laughs) In fact, I have a client. He came here from Russia. And I remember having the conversation with him. He was saying, you know, why do they do this in America? It's like a third world country. You know, they, he was from Russia. They didn't do that in Russia. They put the, the wires in the ground where they belong. It's easier to track them that way, by the way, because you typically have these things called maps. <laughs> They've only been around since, I don't know, maybe since, you know, beginning of civilization. So, uh, <laughs> A little easier and uh, safer, you know, in the long run, probably less expensive. But so we've got a, we have a, an enormous amount of um, improvements that need to be made. 
And then we have the improvements that would be nice to be made. And uh, so I'm looking at that and going, wow, this is, uh, if, if I'm in my mid-40s, I'm really happy. If I'm in my mid-40s, I'm investing most of my money in the stock market. And you can get, if you want a uh, diversified model, I can send you a, a copy of the, of the one that I'm using. You have to call for it or you have to reach out. I have to have a conversation because my I, I'm not allowed to just to, to mass email that out to everybody. I, I, I pay a fairly significant amount of money for the software and the data. And so, but my access is still limited to my practice. So you have to have some sort of relationship and that relationship can be, Hey Bill, um, can you send me that copy? You know, I'm so-and-so and I'll call you or email you. Uh, we have a conversation going on and then I can send you some of the material out, but it's pretty fascinating. Uh, it's really fascinating. I, like, like I said, when they say it's different this time, they have no idea. See, I would have thought, and, and by the way, the fact that we still have the, the power lines and the phone lines above ground, um, a large part of that was how unions influence government regulations. And I'm not going to open that can of worms completely here today, but it was influenced by people who were providing basically raw materials to build out that infrastructure and some of them were finished materials. But so hopefully, you know, that doesn't come, doesn't stay that way. And it amazes me how long some really good ideas take to uh, be generally accepted in an economy. And that's, those are the things that are not predictable. I mean, the, the first patent for a, a, uh, a fax machine is, as far as I know, was actually issued in 1937. 1937 fax machine. <laughs> Why did you not hear about one until the 1980s? I'm not sure. I don't know what the answer to that question is. But was it a good idea? Heck yeah. Before the, that was before Al Gore invented the internet. So everybody could, you could use a fax machine instead of email. And for a few years there, the, uh, by the way, just kidding about Al Gore and the internet thing. I just, I can't believe he ever said that, so I just like to jab it as much as I can. <laughs> but, so anyway, the uh, um, no, I just lost my old train of thought there. That's pretty funny. So they had uh, fax machines long time before people began to use them, or they were popular. And then as soon as they got popular, you know, wasn't that long before email came out and displaced it. There are technologies like that all over the place. There's some, they're doing so many good things with hydrogen fuel cells that it's actually a cleaner, easier method to generate electricity than a lot of the one, than a lot of the one, not all of them, but all, a lot of the ones that we're using right now. And hydrogen is one of the most abundant elements in the universe. You aren't ever running out of hydrogen. <laughs> now you might have to make it yourself because you pull it out of the, uh, water or whatever, but um, it's an extremely abundant element. It's not like crude oil or natural gas that one day we've sucked every you know ounce, which, by the way, we have supposed to have been running out, if you listen to the media, since the early 1900s, since right around World War One. That's like, go down to Cleveland Public Library, that is hilarious. I looked this up, it, back in those days it was on microfiche, you could maybe be able to get it online now, but I saw the headlines Peak oil, running out of oil. This was 1915. And, uh, yeah, right around the uh, uh, yeah beginning of the century. 
They thought that we were actually running out of oil. And I don't know if that was just the, uh, um, you know, Carnegie's trying to scare everybody <laughs> into paying higher prices. I'm just kidding. But that kind of, um, or what that was all about. But we've always been thinking about that. And one day, you know, the world's going to run out of these. You're never going to run out of hydrogen, by the way. I mean, you're just not going to do it. The, uh, um, and you can actually, it's, anyway, so hydrogen fuel cells, they have advanced so much. And, you know, you don't, the, the problem with it is there's not as much infrastructure for that. There's actually no infrastructure for it. And that's one of the reasons that we're going electric cars because there is an awful lot of infrastructure for electricity. You know, the grid's huge. It needs to be fixed. It needs to be repaired. It needs to be extended, updated. But a lot of it's already there. So it's going with whatever's easier, what's not necessarily the best for the long run. And uh, I hear a lot of stuff you know, about you know, people who don't like electric cars. There's an awful lot of stuff written about them that, uh, you know, it's to generate that electricity is just as dirty as burning gasoline. Everybody's got their, you know, bone to pick. And, uh, but I just like to see that we're moving forward and that this stuff all, it all creates jobs and it'll be at some point in time, you know, in cars, what, what's the average life of a car? I don't even know. Maybe, uh, five to 10 years, somewhere in that neighborhood. And, so over a five or let's say over a 10 year time period to switch to another source of fuel like hydrogen fuel cells, that wouldn't be that hard. It's not even that long in the grand scheme of things. And it's out there. So it's a, it's an available option and they're using it for a whole bunch of other stuff too. There's this company called Bloom Energy. If you want to learn more about it, I, I remember talking about them when they were private. They came public. Um, by the way, these stocks, that, that's not a recommendation for that stock. I think I bought it and got my butt kicked. Then uh, I sold it, and then it went up. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, even, by the way, Peter Lynch, the guy that has the best track record nobody's ever been able to match, uh, lost money on on uh, 50 to 60% of his stocks. So you're going, well, how do you make money? How, how are you going to be the best if you're losing, like, 6 out of 10? And I'll tell you how, as soon as we come back from these commercial messages... This is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned. And we're back. Hey, this is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. If you have a question, you hear something that you'd like more information on, please feel free to give me a call. Um, my website's Bullington Capital, by the way. The, the phone number there is 330-664-0700 at Bullington Capital. Um, you can go to my website and reach out there. Contact us through the contact page. Uh, if you'd like to see the models I was talking about earlier, the healthcare and the semiconductor um, I have come out with another option. Okay. It's a, uh, try, I'm trying to keep things as simple as humanly possible. Um, we are regulated, by the way. The, uh, the registered investment advisory firms, you know, you have to comply with SEC regulations. The, uh, uh, currently I'm, I'm over the 
state of Ohio Department of Securities is the one that comes in and do, does the audits, but uh, they basically just adopt whatever rules the uh, SEC, as far as my understanding goes. And uh, so we get audited quite frequently, and we are obligated to work in your best interest. Now, when I left to start my firm way back in 2004, okay, I left because I want that's what I wanted to do. I didn't want to be told by a company who may or may not have an agenda. I'm not going to say anything about that. But I, I wanted to do what I felt like I was best for my clients, and I wanted to be free to be able to do that. And some of the options that I used today were being blocked. They weren't being made available. Okay. So and then that's changed a lot, and actually the whole industry keeps changing, I don't know, probably 15 to 20% a year. And every three to four years, that's a lot of change. So anyway, we, we, we really struggle to keep up with that. But if you hear anything, uh, just know that I am obligated to work in your best interest. And by the way, I have to deal with so many people that, that you, you'd be an idiot not to run your practice that way because you'd have to remember what you said. And uh, so if it's a lot easier if the message that you're saying or, or presenting to people is the correct one because then it's going to be the same for everybody. Does that make sense? If if you were just kind of telling people what they wanted to hear, then you'd have to write down, remember everything that you said. And that, I just that, that that's just not me. You know, I, I want to be the advisor that I would like to have. So I'll, I'll get off my soapbox now and uh, talk about a uh, um, a, na- a nationwide product. By the way, this is the uh, I've been talking about these for a while, mainly because right now bonds are not paying much. And if you're going to buy bonds and they keep talking about raising interest rates, well, a rising interest rate environment is not a good thing for bonds. So the bond funds that we hold are extremely short-term in nature. I think the average maturity is probably 18 months. And they don't pay a whole lot, but the reason I'm holding them is because a long-term bond is going to drop in price pretty significantly if they start raising interest rates. It's it's going to go down. Heck, the short-term bonds will go down. They just won't go down nearly as much as a long-term bond. And that's why I started talking about these types of products. It, it's called a fixed indexed annuity. That's my uh, one of my favorite annuities. It's because it's going to give you a guaranteed income here. It's, it's what I did. I I just ran a hypothetical illustration. And by the way, I can send you a link to this website so that you can get on the website and put your own numbers in there and play around with it and see see what it's like. So if I have a, uh, let's see, let's see, I'm, I'm 66, I'm 65, I'm going to be 66 next year. And I'm going to have to start paying for my own health insurance because I'm leaving my employment, my employer. Uh, I will be out of the COBRA six months after that. I don't want to wait till the last second. And I've got a quote. And my quote's about a thousand bucks a month, which would be pretty reasonable, I can tell you, because I pay more than that for my health insurance. Uh, if you had a, uh, you know, if you were older and we're going to get Medicare, Medicaid, the supplement may not be, it's probably not a thousand bucks a month. It's probably about half that. And there are certain programs where you don't have to pay anything, uh, for a premium, but you have to pay a larger amount out of your pocket if you do go to the doctor. At some point in time, I'm working on having somebody that, that specializes in that come onto my show so that we can talk about it. Uh, it's a, uh, I just haven't been able to catch up to them after all this, uh, you know, the pandemic and all that. Uh, it's very difficult. People are working from home, everything, everything is slow. 
I mean, it is killing me. The, uh, to the, the weight, the amount of effort that goes into following up to make sure people are actually doing their, uh, their, the, the people that are there that are overworked are, are looking at your stuff too. So anyway, let's, let's say I've got a, um, I'm going to have to pay a thousand dollars a month a year from now for health insurance and I'm 65 years old. Okay. 65 years old. Uh, I'm going to be leaving a little bit early. I'm not going to take my social security right away. But I, I want to know how much would I have to pay to guarantee a $12,000 a year income at age 66? And the answer is 2490 So what does that mean? Well, it means that you know, 1000 bucks a month, 12000 that's almost 6%. It's just slightly below 6% of 200000 So put $201,490, I can generate that $1,000 a month to use for my health insurance. Now, you don't have to use it for health insurance. I mean, it could be anything. It could be a, uh, um, I'm going to get a mortgage, and you know, I, I want to make sure that mortgage is paid, and I want to make sure that I can pay it you know, for the rest of my life if I have to, because that 12000 a year is going to be guaranteed for the rest of your life, assuming that the insurance company is still there to make the payments. Um, I'm not one of those guys that, that points out to the fact that there's a, a fund to try to back up insurance companies. People have lost money in insurance companies over the time. Not, it's not frequent. And that's one of the reasons you want to try to go with the higher rated um, companies out there. But, you know, and they will guarantee it, but the guarantee is only as good as the company. Okay. So you want to pick a good one. Uh, I just happen to like Nationwide a lot. It's uh, A-plus rated. I've worked with them for decades now. And so in this particular product, if, if I wanted, if I had a need for $1,000 a month uh, that was going to start in a year from now, okay, I would only need $201,490 to guarantee that for the rest of my life. Now, that'll go for the, even if the money runs out, even if that, uh, the 200000 if I blew through it, it would actually keep paying for as long as I lived. And there's a, a pretty good chance that, well, there's, it's a really good chance you're not going to outlive it because uh, this is what Nationwide does for a living. <laughs> so anyway, I've got to take a real quick call. If you'd like to call, the number here in the uh, radio, at the radio station is 216-901-0945. And I've got Gary. You got a question? or? Yeah. Yeah, good morning. Um, this is a question on, on fixed indexed annuities. Mm -hmm. Does it make sense to uh, split your annuity between different insurance companies instead of just going with one? You know, there's actually, that's a, uh, a good way to diversify, you know, because all the insurance companies are, are a little bit different. Uh, and uh, I think, yeah, I, I think it would make sense. Uh, and that's completely up to you. You know, how, how safe do you feel? Um how much money did you are you really talking about? If if you're talking about a hundred thousand or less, I'm not really sure because um, it's a lot of paperwork uh, and, and then keeping up with it. You know, it's also um, you just have one other account that you have to keep up with. But but you know, if you're talking about a million dollars or something like that, I would probably split it up. You know, I would probably go to more than one carrier. Do you know any of instances where an insurance company uh, failed and uh, did not pay out? Oh yeah, AIG uh, had to pay. Well, they were the, 
well, they didn't fail and, and leave people bankrupt, but some people had losses on that. And, I, and you know what? Now that I said that, I take that back. The uh, um, it has happened, and I don't want to name any you know after I've already named the company. But the uh, you have to watch that because in the an environment like 2008 and 2009, a lot of these companies, and, and I, I used to work for a company. By the way, AIG has completely changed since then. Um, insurance companies don't really file for bankruptcy. They go through a restructuring. They will sell off the assets, and other companies will pick up those assets. In this case, they actually replaced a bunch of the management uh, that was there and made them, you know, they had to pay fines, penalties, all that stuff. And, and got back to uh, solid, more solid ground. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's not uncommon in a financial crisis for company insurance companies to go away. But the state has a fund, and normally the other insurance companies will try to step in and um, uh, buy up that business that's available for sale. Now, you may or may not take a haircut. It depends on how bad a shape they were in. All right, very good, Bill. Thank you. Thanks for calling. And I got uh, Bob. Bob, you're on the uh, Bullington Capital Report. I was about to say, look out for the bulge. <laughs> How are you doing? Good. How are you? Hey, good. Bill, uh, you were talking about telephone and stuff before. How about taking a look at your little chart machine for American Tower? And what does our cash flow and uh, future look like? Uh, American Tower, yeah, they've, they've actually been around an extremely long time. I remember, uh, looking at those guys, man, back in the late nineties, the, um, I'll pull it up really quickly. I'm just going to go to, I, I have this service called Y charts and I've got the, the expensive one. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, AMT is the symbol. Let's see. With the transfer to 5g, I'm wondering how many their towers are getting all converted. Oh, they'll convert them all. The uh, the problem with 5G is that it doesn't go very far. It it can handle a ton of data very quickly, but the distance that it can uh, transmit is not very far. So you have to put up and the the uh, transceivers, um, basically mini towers, are really small. I mean, they're incredibly small, uh, and but you you do have to put them up like in I, I at some point in time I want to say it was about it was either 300 feet or 300 yards I I can't remember now and so you you know that that's where all these that's that's actually the big drawback to 5G is that a lot of areas still don't have it because you have to put so many and at one point in time, I don't know, I'll have to go, I'll have to double check on this, but I think they were going to make the, the chips and the phones also transceivers so that they could send through somebody's cell phone. So you would extend the network just by driving, <laughs> you know, and, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. But, uh, um, let's see here. I've got revenue past 12 months, uh, well, actually for the last reporting period. Was two point four billion for the period. That's that's a uh, is that an annual? Hmm. It's two point five four billion. Let's see key stats. That was the those are the financial. Okay, revenue right now. Nah, that, that that was just a quarter. Uh, the revenue was nine billion, uh, and they had two point 
4.7 billion of net income that they reported. Um, the, uh, that's, that's a really healthy profit margin. The revenue growth year over year was 22%. Holy cow, this thing's growing like crazy. Yeah, I haven't looked at this company in years. I'm, those are actually really good numbers. <laughs> so, but yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for bringing that up. I'm going to have to go look now. And, uh, I'm looking at the chart. It's, it's actually, it, it just come off of all time highs. It reached all time highs back in September. Um, so it's not uncommon, uh, for it to, to back off a little bit because it, it, it's been a good performing stock for an extremely long time period. Very volatile as all stocks are, you know, but, when you're in technology, you know, technology stocks have a tendency to be more volatile than others. But looking at the, uh, the financial statements, I'm going to go and spend a lot more time on this one because, you know, I, I like what I'm seeing so far. That is a, uh, that's pretty good. The, uh, wow. Yeah, I'm trying to find the yeah, price of sales ratio. Oh, that's the tough one. Price of sales ratio is 12.3. And 11 going forward, the average for the S&P 500 is three. <laughs> so you're at, yeah, you're about four times higher. But the reason that it's so high is because they generate so much cash. I mean, the, the cash flow for the, on the revenues is huge. And, uh, but that, that would explain why it would have such a price, uh, high price to sales ratio. So it may not be a bargain, um, but it is growing fast. So I'll spend some more time looking at it. And uh, the dividend yield on it, by the way, is um, the forward dividends, 2.25. That's that's not too bad. But that would be that would definitely be a long-term buy and hold. And these guys have leases uh, like that are extremely long-term on a lot of the towers. And unless people stop using their telephones or they start using an, another service, which, you know, you, when you look at Elon Musk and, and Bezos, they're trying to put up these satellites and there are other countries or companies around the world trying to do the same thing. And I'm not sure they're going to need as much from the towers. That All that stuff is, that's hard. That That's really hard to predict with any level of, of accuracy. Uh, but uh, like most companies today, and uh, very difficult. But, you know, on the first glance, you know, it looks interesting. I will probably look into it a little bit further. The because uh, uh, it does look pretty impressive. They, their cash from operations, by the way, was a little over five billion on nine million in in revenue. That's huge. Cash from that is it, huge. yeah, but cash from investing. So they're they're building out. You can tell they spent fourteen billion, and and they it's raised high. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you, that figures because, you know, the 5G build out, you know, you've got to build yeah. that out and hook it up to your existing infrastructure. So, but yeah, if it's not more than, uh, I don't know, I probably wouldn't go more than two or 3% of my total portfolio, uh, if, if you were to buy it, but I'll, I'll look into it more and we can talk about it next week. I got to take a real quick commercial break. Did you want to hang on or did you want to take off? No, that's good. Thanks very much. Okay, thanks for calling. And uh, this is Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Be back after these messages.
head in the sand, watching the time just ticking. Clock runs around, days in and out, can't really call it living. Somewhere I left. And welcome back. This is Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com, if you hear something you'd like to learn more about. If you'd like to do a really quick uh, retirement plan, one of my uh, pet peeves about my business, it's all businesses today. I mean, it's just unbelievable uh, how much stuff they put out there. Retirement planning is not that complicated. You have a certain, whatever your savings are, you have whatever sources of income, Social Security, pension, uh, you add those two together, and that's what you got to live on. <laughs> is that, <laughs> don't, you're probably going to try to spend somewhere between four and five percent of your assets. Why is it so low? Because, you know, stocks fluctuate a lot, and they're the only thing that ever returns more than four percent a year, and you're going to need something for inflation down the road. Okay. With interest rates as low as they are now, that's one of the reasons that we were st- talking about the fixed index annuities. I, and I stayed away from those for years, but you could get a five or six percent CD, you know, 10 years ago. You can't, that, that's gone. And, and may not ever be coming back because of all the debt that the government has, uh, and rightly so. I mean, they needed to do a lot of the spending, but, uh, the unfortunate consequence of that is it makes it really difficult to raise interest rates anytime real soon. And if you, and by the way, when they do start raising interest rates, both bonds and stocks are likely to go down. So, uh, if you're in your mid forties, who cares? If you're in your late fifties or older, you probably have to care because you're probably looking at tapping into that money at some point in time. If you're already retired, you really need to take care. Uh, when you're talking about a, a 4% return on on a hundred thousand dollars or a two hundred thousand bucks that's eight thousand dollars that little example i was talking about a little earlier they put out two hundred thousand bucks in you get twelve thousand bucks a year that's you know big difference and what that allows you to do by the way is to take uh so you you don't have to take as much money out of your account to provide that income. You can take the other money. You can invest it in things like the, those stock funds I was talking about. You can have some of the money in the healthcare and semiconductor industries. You can have some of the money in all the super broadly diversified stuff. And you can set it up on a systematic withdrawal so that each month it takes out a certain percentage and, and deposits it into your checking account. That is so cool. And uh, the company I well we use uh, actually Axos used to be E Trade and they they sold the the investment advisory business to the world's largest online bank. Um, I really like them, man. That's actually I got a big chunk of my money there, and it's I really like it a lot. The uh, Fidelity is also wonderful. We use them as a custodian. Um, most people are more familiar with Fidelity, so they have that comfort level there. And there are a lot of things you can do. I mean, you can you can do bill pay in your brokerage account. You can have a credit card attached to the brokerage account so you can see the balances and you can just transfer money between the accounts. It's nice. I mean, it's it's really nice. It it's so much easier today that the difficulty is in the technical details. You know, technology is great as long as it's working. For those time periods where it stops working and you're having problems, that that's you know you can pull your hair out in uh, trying to get that stuff fixed. But but 
all the vendors that we use are, are pretty good at that. We all we assist our clients in every step of that. So I got to take a real quick phone call, and I got uh, Brian. You're on the uh, Wellington Capital Report. Hey, Bill. Um, hey, I was just wondering, are you going to talk about individual stocks today? I wasn't sure if I missed it or not. Oh like, yeah, actually, <laughs> while I'm doing that, why don't I just uh, flip that over? Now, yesterday there weren't that many stocks that that came up on the scan. I think I got 25, and uh, um, some of them I like. This one, it, uh, it's got a super low price-to-sales ratio. Now, I, I haven't had time to look super closely at this. And with this particular style, okay, like the what you're, we used to call it buying breakouts, The um, it doesn't really matter uh, too much. The, the price-to-sales ratios are not as important in that because you're not going to be in it that long anyway, typically. But there's a company that the chart looks pretty decent on it. Looks like it's extended a little bit, but uh, it's called McKesson, um, MCK, um, medical distribution. I know that the companies that are in that industry, their profit margins are incredibly small. That's why its price to sales ratio is 0.12. The average S&P stock is three. (laughs) So that's at 0.12. So that, you know, I look at that and go, oh, whoa, maybe that might be worth it a little bit. Uh, Sunoco, which is really funny, comes up. Also, horrible profit margins in the oil and gas. I, I laugh all the time. Hey, you think it's time to buy crude oil? I don't know. That's like guessing, you know, what Bitcoin's going to do over the next six months. The, uh, it's the same. Yeah, people don't understand that. When you're, when you're investing in something that doesn't earn a profit, okay, Bitcoin doesn't earn a profit. They don't do anything. It's a thing that you buy. A piece of gold is a thing that you buy. It doesn't produce anything. But when you buy a share of Procter & Gamble, Procter & Gamble sells products, collects the revenue, pays out a dividend, you know, earns a profit. They make stuff and sell it and earn a profit. Gold doesn't earn a profit. There's no profit. You're only trading the price on that alone. That's very difficult to do. So uh, does that make sense at all? Yep, sure does. Uh, okay, cool. Um, Celestica, uh, it's a semiconductor company. They they do a lot of stuff. And uh, this one's got a super low price to sales ratio. Also because a lot of the businesses, those businesses, they're, they're not that all. symbol? Uh, CLS. Nice looking chart. I mean, it's a nice looking chart. On Thursday, had this huge surge of volume. The, the daily range was like two and a half times its average daily range. Now, it didn't close well on Thursday, but Friday, it actually gapped open a little bit and closed at the high of the day, which for me is uh, that, that that's a buy. <laughs> so I will place a buy, and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to place an order on Monday that goes about 20 cents above. It, it closed at... $12.48. So uh, I'll buy it at $12.60. If it, see, what I'm doing is I'm making sure that it continues to go north. Does that make sense? Or that the, the price is still rising? So a limit order? Pardon me? A limit order? Um, You would put a, no, it would be a stop. It would be a buy stop order oh. at $12.60. Oh. Okay. So if it goes that high, now what could happen is that it it opens at 13 and then comes down and closes at 12 or 11. <laughs> that would stop me out like within a, fu- a couple of hours. 
but the uh, that's okay. Um, I'll take that chance. Celestica is huge. They've been around for a long time too. And uh, actually, like most stocks, you know, this this stock was fourteen dollars and fifty one cents or sixty nine cents way back in two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seventeen comes all the way down to two dollars and sixty three cents. Woo. Yeah, that's why I'm not all that worried about my purple, even though I'm getting my hind end handed to me on that one. But the, I'm uh, there with you. <laughs> but Celestica's got a nice looking chart. You know, it is in the semiconductor space and with some of their businesses. Uh, they make components that are, are used in, by some of those companies. So uh, it's got that going for it. And uh, I like the chart pattern. And, and that's basically because I've made more money with stocks that had these huge moves on huge volume uh, the day before I bought it. You know, and, and everybody goes, well, why didn't you buy it the day before that? Well, because my crystal ball doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, anybody who wants to see it, I'll, I'll, I'll start bringing it to meetings so you can see the crystal ball. If you can see stuff in there, I'll pay you for it. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, that, that one looks pretty good. Um, there's some basic chemical companies. There's this, one company, I'm not even sure who they are. Uh, it's uh, symbol is ZIM. It's got a nice looking chart. It's just breaking out to uh, new one year highs, and uh, I like that. I, I've seen some oil and gas. I'm not. A, I I have never done well with oil and gas. I I mean never. Uh, so I I kind of just kind of skip that stuff whenever I do see it. This is interesting to me. This other company that's coming up. It's a company called Allscripts Healthcare Solution. I'm not sure exactly what they do. I've seen it before. Uh, I've never traded it. It's come up on scans multiple times through its lifetime. Uh, but its symbol is MDRX, and it had this huge surge of volume. Went way up uh, about one, two, three, four on Monday. And the the price range for that day was gigantic. I mean, the, at the bottom, it was 18 At the high, it was $20.63. That's huge. And it closed at $20.55. So you had this... Huge surge of volume, stocks up, and it's kind of been chopping sideways since then. Oftentimes, when a company's about to um, make an announcement, you'll see that type of activity. Now, the announcement could be good or bad. You don't know. So you pay your dollar and take your chances. Make sure you put your stops in on if you're going to be doing this. But the uh, um, I like the company, and the uh, chart pattern looks really good to me. Uh, but... Again, if I get stopped out, it's only going to cost me 1% of that portfolio value, and that's you know less than 25% of my money, so it'll cost me one quarter, 1%. No big deal. Uh, anyway, I hear the music. That means my show's over, Brian. Thanks for calling, and uh, I'm sure we'll talk this week sometime. Um, have a good uh, weekend, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.